0: Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at celebrationedm. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Okay, we're going we're gonna to talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit today. And the Holy Spirit, who's this person? Maybe you've uh, grown up in church and you've seen, I don't know, maybe you've seen people being prayed for and they fall down. And you think, okay, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've seen that on TV before. Sometimes people make fun of Christians for it and in movies. They, you know, do it, whatever. And, and people think, well, that's, maybe that's the Holy Spirit. Or, or it, maybe some other sort of experience like that. And, and some people think, well, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He creates some type of experience. And people will say, this happened, you know, that they can't explain it. That was the Holy Spirit. Sometimes people um, try to experience him in a certain way because they saw somebody else experience the Holy Spirit in this way, and so they think the Holy Spirit works like this, so that's how I'm going to try and experience the Holy Spirit. We have to be careful um, not to put too much emphasis on experience when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Right. That it, it, uh, the, the, there's a person of the Holy Spirit, not just an experience. Right. Um, sometimes people... Uh, will when I'm meeting with them to uh, do their wedding or their, their f- even a funeral sometimes they'll say, Can you be funny just like you're funny on Sunday mornings? I think, Oh my gosh, they're putting too much emphasis on that experience. But I'm a person outside of that. No, I'm I cannot be funny at your funeral. I will try, but it's anyways, but also, but also it's important not to invalidate someone else's experience with the Holy Spirit just because you haven't had it. And so that's, that's one thing we have to be careful with the Holy Spirit is that sometimes people can get an attitude about him saying, that's not the Holy Spirit, just because they haven't experienced the Holy Spirit in a certain way. So the Holy Spirit is a part of what we call the Trinity, okay? The Trinity is God the Father, you know, the Creator, Mother Nature's Husband. Um, <laughs> Joking, guys. Come on. Lighten up. (laughs) He's God the Father. And then we have Jesus. He's the more famous one. Kind of like the rock star of the group. He's got his own songs about him. He's got his own Jesus merch at Christmas time. It's odd. Most of the pictures we see of him are this little tiny baby or this bloody dude. Um, But anyways, we we got Jesus. You know who Jesus is. Hopefully. And then we have the, the Holy Spirit. He's the most mysterious one, okay? And people are kind of, they, 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 it seems like a lot of people know him the least. They're kind of, well, what's this Holy Spirit? And in the Old Testament, it's funny, you don't hear about him as much, you think, but in actuality, the Holy Spirit would kind of run around doing God's little jobs for him. You'll, you'll see all through the Old Testament, it was like, and the Holy Spirit, and the, the Spirit of God, right? You hear about wind doing something. It was the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit was running around doing all these things for God. But because of Jesus, now at salvation, the Holy Spirit lives in us. So he's a person, but he's a person who lives in us. And if you're confused about this this morning, don't worry, we're never gonna fully understand this. We're never gonna fully understand this whole thing. But I wanna read from you, John chapter, read for you, John chapter 14. Um, And these are kind of, in my opinion, the best verses on the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus teaching the disciples, John 14, 15, and 16. 16 has a lot of good, clear teaching as well. But if, you're, if you want to learn more about the Holy Spirit, I would say just break down those three verses. You could read it and it helps teach you a little bit. John chapter 14, 15 to 16 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. That's a, we could just stop there and we could <laughs> preach off those seven uh, letter, uh, words this morning. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I'll ask the Father and he'll give you Another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world can't accept it, uh, him because it, it neither sees or knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, uh, the world will not see me anymore. But you will see me because I live in you, and you also will live. And on that day, you'll realize that I am in my Father, and then you are in me, and I am in you. It's a lot of back and forth here. <laughs> whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who, love me. one who loves me. Now, that's important to catch as well. So he started with, if you love me, you keep my commands. And then in 21, he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. And then Judas, not Judas the Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the whole world? And Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my father will also love them. He will come and he will make our home with them. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So he keeps hammering that home. If you love me, you'll obey. Um, and these words you hear are not my own. They belong to my Father who sent me. All of this I've spoken while I'm still with you. And then watch this. He called him the spirit of truth earlier. And then now he says, but the advocate, calls him the advocate this time, the Holy Spirit um, my Father will send on my behalf will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. So the Holy Spirit... He's going to teach them stuff as well. So who's this Holy Spirit? When you think of the Holy Spirit, you think of like a, a ghost. And obviously, like, you've maybe heard people call him the Holy Ghost. And so as a kid, I would think, well, if he's God's ghost, he's probably friendly. So i think of like Casper the Ghost. Do you remember Casper the Friendly Ghost? I always think of the Holy Spirit as this ghost. But the problem with thinking of him like a ghost is when we think of a ghost, especially like it, with Halloween and everything we think of it with ghosts, ghosts come and go And the problem is the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit, what it promises in in John chapter 14 is that he lives in you and he'll be with you forever. He's a person that's with you 100% of the time. Once you've received him, he's always around. But we don't always experience this, do we? We don't always experience having this person with us at all times. When I was about seven years old, um, my parents, my whole family went to this I believe, I can't remember exactly what it was um, because it was many years ago, but I believe it was like this soccer wrap-up banquet. So all the soccer teams that would play that year would come together and we had this big banquet and we'd celebrate and we'd get medals and all this stuff and we were in this big sort of office building kind of thing and in this big banquet hall of it. Well, me and a couple other... People that I, a couple other kids, I don't remember exactly who they were, but these two other kids and I had had enough of the banquet. We were bored, and so we started sneaking around this building. And we had wandered where we weren't supposed to go, and we wandered down this hallway, and we walked into this sort of, uh, this staircase. It was like two-set staircase, and there was glass to the outside, um, but then there was a door at either end of the staircase. So we came into the hall, from the hallway where we were playing, and walked into the staircase and we tried to go up the stairs and up to the upstairs to keep exploring this building. And the problem was the upstairs was rented out by somebody else, so that was locked. And so we were like, okay, we can't get up there. So we went to go back down to the hallway where we were playing and that door locked behind us. For whatever reason in this staircase, pretty sure it's illegal now that I've learned a little bit more about building codes. But there, there is locks on the up and down and we were now locked in this staircase. Okay, this is pre-cell phones. Seven-year-olds didn't have cell phones back then. Neither did their parents. They're at home on the big thing, and they only brought them out once a week. Um, But we, so we're locked in this staircase. We can't get a a hold of anyone, and there's just glass to the outside, and we're in there for what felt like to me hours. And in my little seven-year-old mind, or eight, however old I was, I was so terrified, I actually started picturing myself as a skeleton sitting under the stairs. That I was going to be in there forever and I was going to rot in this place. And it's just sunk in my brain how terrified I was because I felt so alone. And part of the torture of being locked in this staircase was that as we were there for a long time, we were banging on the doors trying to get people's attention. There was this glass that went to the outside and I could see my family loading up into the car. And so my family is parked on the street, They're down, and we're banging on the glass, and I can see them all loading into the car, and I can see my dad starting to panic because he can't find me. And so my dad is wandering around, and I'm like, I'm, I'm right here, Dad, like come and save me. And this, even a guy walked by, and we're all banging on the glass, and this dude just kind of looked at us and kept walking by, and we felt so stuck. And I'm like, Dad, I can see my dad out there, but I'm separated from him. I know he exists, I know he's looking for me, but we cannot make the connection. And I think that a lot of times, we're like I was when I was seven years old, and we hear people talk about the Holy Spirit, and sometimes we can even see him move, but for some reason there's not an intimate connection there. And so eventually, somebody, the other kid's parents found us, way to go mom and dad, and (laughs) I ran out, I found my dad, my dad was where are you? We're trying to leave, what are you doing? I'm trying to find you. All mad at me and I was terrified. And <laughs> anyways, my goal is today to is hopefully to help you realize that maybe you've been locked in a staircase. Once you believe in him, the Holy Spirit, and receive him, he lives with you forever. And he's not just some person. He's a person that's equal to Jesus. So everything Jesus is lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. So you need to be aware of what you have. So when you see Jesus cast out demons, heal the sick, feed the hungry, care for the marginalized, raise the dead, love the unlovable, resist temptation, all of that is in you through the Holy Spirit. All of it. So Jesus is not just a good example Everything he is is also in you. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. So everything that God is, he is. Now what does this Holy Spirit do, according to John chapter 14? Well, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Come on, can you say the Spirit of truth this morning? The truth. Oh, let's say it a little bit better. The Spirit of truth, come on. The of truth. All right. Thank God we have a Spirit of truth. Yeah. Because We are surrounded by lies. That's what happens when you go on social media and look at the news all day. We're in a world full of lies, and we need the spirit of truth. Every truth that God has spoken, the Holy Spirit can reveal to you. The Holy Spirit can reveal the word of God to us even if we don't know it. Have you ever, like, spoken something and thought, where did that come from? Like, where is that wisdom from? That's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. God can cause you to know something that you don't even know. 1 Corinthians 2.11. I'm pretty sure there's no chance I'm going to get through this sermon, but we'll see what happens. Uh, first, I just finished the intro. 1 first, first Corinthians 2.11 says, For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit. So, You cannot hear God's thoughts, but you can hear them through the Holy Spirit when he speaks to you. So how do we hear this Holy Spirit speak? I I was always like, oh man, people talk about hearing the voice of God. How does that work? The Holy Spirit speaks to us through our own thoughts, but there's a power in it. There's an oomph in it. There's a, okay. And, And you have to be very sensitive to the Spirit to make sure that you don't allow yourself to sort of taint what he's trying to say. It's something different. We need a fresh We need something fresh from the Spirit daily. In 26, it says, He'll teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. The Spirit of truth tells you who God is. The Holy Spirit is consistently pointing us to God and to what God says. And part of this, part of figuring this out, is that the Holy Spirit connects you to the right people. In the last few years of my life, um, you know, normally you just kind of make friends with like who, whoever's at school or whoever's around you on your team or whatever. And in the last few years of my life, I feel like the Holy Spirit's just been like, boom, spend time with that person. Boom, you have dinner with that person. And all of a sudden, these beautiful connections are happening because I'm listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And what happens is the Holy Spirit, he unites us to everyone that's united to Christ. So one of the ways he helps you find the, the truth One of the ways he is the spirit of truth is that he puts you in community. That's what we're trying to do today with our connect groups is we're trying to get you into community. And so you might be thinking, I have enough friends. But what we're trying to do is is show you that, that every Christian has a spiritual bond with one another. And we're here to help each other out. And so if you already have that at this church, know that for every person who has that spiritual connection and that community, and you might be thinking, I don't need those groups, there's two people who don't have that. And so that's why if we call Celebration Church home, that's why if if we're Christians, we're also to be connectors to make sure that as the people come in, they get connected to other people and find the community that we found. And I think that's how churches shrink and plateau and eventually die, is that people are not passionate about other people finding what they have found. They just want to protect what they found. Yay. And so they think small and think, I've I, I got to protect what I have. And I got, I, got, I got what I wanted. I'm good. But there's so many people who don't have that yet. And who come and, and they leave because nobody spoke to them. Anyways, how much do, should I go into this unity thing? I'm running out of time. Um <laughs> We focus so often as Christians, even like throughout denominations, or, but even also in the same group and, and even in the same church, we focus so much on our differences, yet we have so much common ground. Right. Yeah. And um, I, I just, I heard this and I thought, isn't that brilliant? Do you think that when terrorists are lining up Christians to kill them, they ask what denomination they are? Wow. you think they line them all up and go, Oh, what are you? Pentecostal? You're done. You guys are crazy. You always bring people to Jesus. <laughs> Baptists? Oh, you guys are so good at taking care of your families. You're done. You're out of here. Catholic? Oh, my gosh. Catholics, you guys do so much for the world. You're done. Non-denominational? I don't even know what that is. Maybe we can let them slide, you know. Terrorists see our unity better than we do. They all but know that we believe in the one true God that's a threat to their evil. Yet for some reason, we have a hard time finding unity among believers sometimes, don't we? In my insecurity, I've wanted to puff myself up about my methods of ministry and the way I think that things should be done and about the doctrines that I've been learning about, which is so dumb. We all have a common ground together. 21 says, whoever has my commands loves me and I'll show myself to them. The Spirit of truth will teach you all things. This is the same Spirit that created the Bible. He turns the light on for your Bible. He makes God become real to your heart. The Holy Spirit brings God to you. And the Spirit of truth is, help you, is there to help you know who God is. Who, who's ever on keys? I think it was Mary. Give me five minutes extra, please. <laughs> 26 then. So we, we got through the Spirit of truth. And then 26 says... But the advocate, Jesus says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He calls him an advocate. The Holy Spirit is an advocate. Everybody say advocate. Advocate. Now, in the past, in my immaturity, I have avoided preaching about the word advocate because I didn't understand it. And so I would think, oh, people say he's a helper, a comforter, a counselor. I know all those. I I can get that. I'll preach on those things. But advocate, I don't fully understand. And it's funny, as you put it, if you put it into, there's a website called Bible Hub. You put this verse in there, you'll see that, all these people who've translated the Bible are trying to figure out the word advocate. They're going, is it helper? Is it is it a comforter? Is it counselor? They're all putting different things in. You know why they do that? The reason is that there's no English word that could explain the full meaning of advocate. Wow. That the Greek translation to this, I can't even say it because I don't speak Greek. But it's, I think it's parcelete. Um, it's it, if someone whoever just laughed probably speaks Greek and is like, <laughs> what an idiot. Um, but this word, um, it, it, it means one who is called to someone's aid. And the Baker and Pike Encyclopedia of the Bible says, thus the term may be used technically for a lawyer. More generally, the word denotes to one who acts in another's behalf as a mediator or an intercess, intercessor or a comforter. So what do lawyers do? They say, I'm going to go talk to the judge for you. And we have, Jesus said it was another advocate he was sending in the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus was the first advocate. 1 John uh, 2.1 says, My dear children, I I write to you this, that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So, what happens is, God's up there. He's just. He's holy. and, And we have to pay for our sins. And so, like we sang about the mighty cross... Jesus paid for all of them. So now he's an advocate sitting beside the Father saying, God, I paid for that one. God, that one messed up again. He walked away from you. But, you know, or whatever. I paid for them. He's a lawyer who also paid the sentence. Talk about the best lawyer in the world. He paid the fine. Justice has been served. And God is not mad about that. People have a funny way of thinking about God, that he's this angry person. He's just, he's going to get his way, and blah, 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 you're going to be in trouble. No, God is excited that the plan is working. God is excited about the people gathered here today, because it's a sign that the plan is working. Jesus paid for the death of all of us. The plan worked again. So Jesus was the first advocate, and that's why the Holy, the, Jesus said the, uh, the Holy Spirit was another advocate. So the first advocate, he, he paid for everything. He went to God on our, our behalf. The second advocate will remind you about what the first advocate has done. So the Holy Spirit, while, God, while Jesus made a case with God for us, the Holy Spirit makes a case with the enemies in our heart. The Holy Spirit argues with the enemies in our heart. The Holy Spirit does not want you to believe the lies that you've been believing about yourself. Romans 8.16 says the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. He says you're a child of God. Stop thinking that way. Hannah and Adam, can you guys bring up those chairs? I'm getting very tired. I want to sit. (laughs) So life starts giving us stuff that we didn't want. And, you know, we know Jesus. We love him. But let's say we we got ourselves into debt. And so we're struggling. I'm trying to preach here. (laughs) We're, we're, thank you, Hannah. uh, So, (laughs) sorry, Hannah. Hannah. So, so let's say we're struggling with debt. And we, we struggle with this debt, and, and you know, we, we go to pay it off, and we just keep getting in more debt, and we're, we're struggling with it. Or maybe we wanted a promotion. We're trying so hard at work. We wanted a promotion. We got passed over it for that promotion for, like, the third time. Or maybe it's that our child is struggling and they're coming up against some issues that we didn't expect and we just keep trying to help them but they keep struggling. Or maybe it's a younger sibling that's more successful than us and we go through these things and we keep dwelling on them and as we dwell on those things and they happen to us, we start to develop lies within our hearts. And we start to say, oh, I'm inadequate. We start to say, oh. I know God loves me. That's great and all. But uh, I can't believe I missed this. I can't believe I can't overcome this. I can't believe I uh, I I couldn't figure this out. And what happens is the Holy Spirit is there so that the things that you think will disqualify you, he will show you that's a lie. The things that you know are bad, but you think you can handle, so you leave them in your life, he'll show you. That's a lie. Yeah. Yeah. When you have the spirit of truth, when you have the advocate, yeah. he helps you yeah. to reveal those lies. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I uh, grew up in the 90s, Ooh. in the early 2000s, and uh, hated school. And <laughs> so I would often try and find excuses to not go to school. I feel like that's a lot more easier now with COVID. Um, <laughs> but then your parents make you <laughs> isolate. That could be bad. Um, but... So what I would do is I'd fake sick, and everybody would go to work, and I'd hide in the basement and just have the best day eating crackers and stuff all day. And so I'd sit in the, in the basement, and there was this show called Maury. Yeah. <laughs> you ever watch Maury? Yeah. So if you haven't seen Maury, um, Maury was basically like 90% of these women trying to t- track down these loser guys who left them with their kids alone. And, and anyways, so long story short, Maury would help them with that. And he would um, just put away all the lies and help them find the truth. And so what, what happen is um, they would do these paternity tests and he'd say, you are the father, or you are not the father, and everybody would freak out. And so the advocate, Maury over here, <laughs> to help speak the the truth to us about who we are. So as I struggle with my inadequacy, even though these things are happening in my life and I'm going through this struggle, I can come to Maury and Maury will say, when it comes to inadequacy, Joel, you are not inadequate. He speaks, and you are free. Give me another one, Adam. (laughs) You said God couldn't use you because you kept going into temptation, giving into temptation. The Holy Spirit lie detector said, that was a lie. Oh, thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you, Adam, Maury. All you need is a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit. And we can go to other people and try to get this, relationships and whatever. But when we just try and satisfy our flesh, it only lasts for a short period of time. Those issues come back. Because our spirits need to be satisfied. Our spirits need to come to the Holy Spirit and learn what he says so that he could remind us what God says. He speaks on your behalf. The advocate tells you who you really are. The advocate helps you develop your confidence. We need someone to tell us we are a child of God. In 1 John 3.20, it says, If our hearts condemn us, we know that our God is greater than our hearts. Your heart will lie to you. My mic fell off in the Mori drama. Uh the Holy Spirit, he knows everything. And guess what? He sees all your issues. You know what he says about it? He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. He will not leave you. He will not give up on you. When other people are giving up on you, he will bring it to completion. So how do we develop this intimacy with this person who is the spirit of truth to tell us about who God is and to tell us what God says about us? I Often, I, growing up, I would see people so intimate with the Holy Spirit and be jealous and hear about, oh, they're hearing from the Holy Spirit, be so jealous of them. And often the mistake I make is that I could educate myself or sit down with my Bible enough to figure this out, and, and, and that is true, um, Yes, that's true, but obedience to Jesus is key to intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Jesus keeps telling us this in John chapter 14. If you love me, keep my commandments. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. This is the measure. This is how you come close to me in this relationship. And maybe as I was speaking today, you felt like I... I don't know, I've tried everything. I've tried being obedient. Keep going back to him. And I think this, this, this one's important. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, 29 says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander. Among those with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. This shows us the personality. When we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, this gives us a glimpse to his personality. He says, when you talk like that, when you tear that person down like that, I can't be around that. I love you, but I, I can't, I can't, I can't be around that. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit, yet we push him away because we're overvaluing what our flesh wants in in the moment and undervaluing what our spirit needs. So that gossip that might feel good in the moment, sure it did, but it's also driving a wedge between you and the Holy Spirit. You don't even realize it. (sighs) Your life would be a lot easier if your focus was on falling in love with God, not just trying to be a good person for the most of the time as much as I can do. And Jesus says, "He says, if you obey." So, while you receive the Holy Spirit, we're often not drawing closer to Him because of all the junk that we allow in our lives. The Bible says that the sin easily entangles us. It's it, it's sometimes it can be like a like a weighted blanket. We bought a weighted blanket. I didn't. I don't like it. It hurts my toes when it's on my toes. It's too heavy. <laughs> And it bends my toes back. I'm like, it easily entangles us. Listen, you can still, you can, you can sin all you want. You can do whatever the heck you want with your life, and still go to heaven. All you got to do is believe, confess it with your mouth. That's what the Bible says. You can do whatever the heck you want. But the goal isn't just to get to heaven. The goal is to have heaven on earth. And the reality is, you will enjoy your life so much more without all the jump that you've allowed in it. But you've got to trust God enough to give it up. And it takes a desire to get rid of those things in your life. I'll give you a little secret of mine. I hope this helps you. Ultimately, the best boundary that I've found for my life is that I want to be near the Father. So... I can make all kinds of rules for myself and stuff, and and, and my my wife and I, yeah, we have boundaries we don't cross, but you know what helps us in our marriage? It's that it's not just us two. It's a three-stranded cord that's not easily broken, and the trust that we have between each other isn't just, I love you and you love me. It's that we both love Jesus, and that we want to serve Him with our lives. So you can make me angry, and we can fight, and all we want, but the reality of it is, is at the end of the day, we're both serving Jesus. So there's a deep trust there, that we want intimacy with the Holy Spirit, and that's how we can walk together this, in this thing yes. we call marriage. And obedience to him has nothing to do with, you know, getting to heaven and following a s- certain rules. It, it has everything to do with our love for him. Yes. That My obedience comes out of a deep love that I want that intimacy, that connection. And I want to receive from the Holy Spirit. Remember who God is and and you'll remember who you are by your obedience to God. This draws us near to the Holy Spirit. i want to pray for you really quick. God, I just pray that we would pick up on your Holy Spirit this year. That we would allow your Holy Spirit to speak to us and and be excited and and passionate and and pursuing a relationship and an intimacy with your Holy Spirit. God, I, I pray that 2022 would be a year where we, quite frankly, could care less what our flesh wants. We're going to take care of our spirits this year yes. and how we draw near to you. Yes, God, I thank you for that deep work that will be sealed in our hearts by the Holy Spirit when we desire this intimacy. Thank you for your presence in the lives of our church thank you for the presence your presence in the lives of everybody watching online as they are at home Lord God would your presence fill their homes would you be with them I I just want to pray really fast before we take communion together it's important to pray before communion that for people who want to get their heart right with God mentioned earlier we talk about Jesus dying on the cross for us, the, the first advocate that goes to the Father and says, they're covered now, they're taken care of. You can s- pray a simple prayer and accept that covering. And uh, like I said earlier, you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Y- even if you prayed this prayer before and you walked away from him and you want to pray it again or praying it for the first time here or online, I'm just going to ask everybody who... Call Celebration home. Repeat after me. We're going to pray it in agreement with you. And when you respond to a prayer like this, the first advocate says to the Father, they're free now. The plan worked again. So repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, living a perfect life, and dying on the cross so that I could be free. Today I ask, that you come into my life. From now on, I live for you. I believe that you are my Lord, and God raised you from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's put our hands together for everybody who prayed. Thank you, God, for that work being done. And now, if you would stand with me and grab your communion glass, we are going to... And this service um, as a time to sort of end uh, prayer and fasting for the week. Lots of us will still fast till after service tonight. That's great. But you get a little wafer in the meantime to tie you over. We do this in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. This is an important act, not because it's just another religious symbol of what we do. It's not about that at all. It's about Jesus commands us. And it's a time to really slow down and process and think about all he's done for us. But not just that. The fact that, like I said earlier, we don't just live on subway alone. We live on the bread, on, on Jesus' body that was broken for us and so as we have needs as we have things that come up in our life this year we can come back to this silly little piece of wafer and know that I don't just rely on what my flesh wants I rely on the spirit of God and what he has done for me and I know that his body will sustain me but also that his blood paid for everything wrong that I'm going to do ever and knowing that that's the reason we can come back to God with a clear conscience, knowing that it's not about what we've done. Thank God. It's all about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Paul reminds us of all this in 1 Corinthians. He says, For I've received from the Lord what I also pressed on to you, passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on that night, he was betrayed, took bread. until he comes. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much that 2022 will be a year in our church's life that we dedicate to you, Lord. Our lives are dedicated to you. So God, I pray that you would help us get our priorities straight. God, in our time, in our finances, even in our desires, would you help us get our priorities straight? that our service to you is our top priority in life. And we know that you will help take care of all the other details that we so pointlessly stress and worry about. God, thank you, you sent your son. Jesus, you died for us. And it's a reminder that we don't have to rely on the things that our flesh wants we can rely on you. And so we take the bread now in remembrance of you. Take the bread. It's so much tastier when you're fasting. Jesus, thank you for your blood that was shed for us. Your blood's all about the forgiveness of sins, but I can't help but think about your the, the beating that they put you through. That you were whipped. Not just whipped, but the, the whips that dug in and tore your flesh. Just to the near point of death. You were whipped within an inch of your death. And you went through all of that specifically for our healing. Wow. So God, we come to you today with an expectation that you can heal us. Even when we're here right now in this service, we are expecting, not because we deserve it, but because of who you are, we're expecting your healing. And we thank you. We thank you for your blood, that it cleanses us of all we've ever done and all we ever will do. Thank you that you set us free with your blood and that this year we remember the blood of Jesus. And know that we can approach you with hearts like a child, knowing that we don't have to take care of a bunch of stuff first. We can just come to you and your blood has covered anything that has ever happened and will happen. Thank you, God. Let's take the, the cup. God, thank you for your hand on our lives. And thank you that you love us so much. We pray that your presence would be in our lives In the coming year, Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.